This is Capital Cast, a production of Capital News Illinois. I'm Jennifer Fuller. I think she would be personally grateful that she and her work have been recognized when for so much of her life she was denigrated and done down. Illinois leaders recently named a mental health facility in the capital city after a woman once committed against her will who fought for the rights of those with mental illness and those unjustly held. You can read more about the renaming at CapitalNewsIllinois.com. Author Kate Moore helped bring the renaming to a reality, writing about Elizabeth Parsons Ware Packard in her book, The Woman They Could Not Silence. Capital News Illinois reporter Molly Parker talked with Moore for this episode of Capital Cast. I was inspired to write this book um, at first because of the Me Too movement and thinking, um, you know, why did it take so long for people to be listened to? And I was all about like, you know, well, for years, actually, women have been silenced through this false claim that we're crazy if we use our voices. And that's essentially what happened to Elizabeth Packard. And in writing her book, I wanted um, to draw the parallels in our modern day life to say that, you know, this actually isn't a historical story. Elizabeth is a heroine for our times because this is a woman who in Illinois in 1860 was committed against her will to a mental hospital by request of her husband just because she disagreed with him. And that was legal in Illinois at the time. And she was sent under the so-called care of Dr. Andrew McFarland, the superintendent of the Illinois State Hospital. And what the woman they could not silence does is really show Elizabeth's journey to become the woman they could not silence. And that journey is why she is being honored today because she faced this horror of being locked up in a mental hospital when she wasn't insane. She faced the horror of her husband having this and her doctor having this complete legal control over her. But what Elizabeth decided to do was to fight back and to fight back not only for herself, but for all women and all mental patients, everybody who struggles with their mental health. So um, the story is incredible. As I say, the story of the woman they could not silence. Elizabeth learns to find her voice in the asylum. She keeps a secret journal. She fights back against McFarlane, reporting abuse, reporting cruel treatment, highlighting to him how actually he's simply institutionalizing assertive and strong women. And, you know, her journey is incredible because eventually she manages to get out no thanks to McFarland really um and she becomes this incredible advocate for the rights of women and the mentally ill and she's successful in passing new laws in advocating in getting independent inspections um for asylums which didn't exist before then sometimes she was even successful in getting a female inspector on the board as well So a truly extraordinary woman, and this is why she's being honored today. Wow, and you're not from uh, Illinois, obviously, we've covered that. And so what, (laughs) um, you know, and your accent may give that away, what is it that drew you to this story? How did you even know about it? Well, as I say, I was inspired to begin with to write about this historic and yet also modern day demonization of women you know this this claim that we're crazy if if we simply speak out and i 
didn't want to write a polemic. I'm a storyteller at heart. That's what my narrative nonfiction books do. They take a real story and using all the facts, um, you know, from the time, diaries, court transcripts, uh, memoirs, letters, you know, the, the real voices and words of the people who lived this story and this history. And I stitch it into a non-fiction narrative so people can go on that journey with these people. And so I wanted to find a woman in history who had been called insane when she wasn't and who had fought back successfully. And I fell down this rabbit warren of internet research trying to find, you know, the heroine of, of my next book. And I actually found Elizabeth Packard's name in this random University of Wisconsin essay about lunacy in the 19th century. And when I started looking into her story, I was like, wow, she is the one, you know, not only is her story full of drama, you know, when she's kidnapped and carted off to the asylum, her husband and his cronies are literally hacking their way into her bedroom with an axe. Not only does it have the courtroom drama of Elizabeth embarking on this landmark legal fight to prove her sanity, um, and it's got all the gothic horror of, you know, 19th century insane asylums and this triumphant ending as well but in a way more than all of that the real gift was Elizabeth herself because as I say she kept this secret asylum journal while she was institutionalized and once she came out despite the fact that society wanted to penalize her because she was a woman because she was an assertive woman because she was a woman who'd been in a mental hospital and the stigma that we you know we still experience today about mental health was you know even worse in the 19th century she defied all those odds and all those you know things stacked against her to become a best-selling author and she crowdfunded the publication of her memoirs you know literally knocking door to door to get people to support her story and because of that perseverance and her gift for writing and her willingness to lay bare her soul and use her literary gifts to tell her story I was able to really get to know Elizabeth herself to read her first person account and to use her own words in The Woman They Could Not Silence my book so she literally was the woman they could not silence because we can hear her today all those memories that she wrote down, all that activism that she achieved. And, you know, her her name and her voice are obviously speaking so loud today with her name now emblazoned on this mental health hospital and this institution. And it seems like even though she was unjustly institutionalized, that she still fought for those who did have uh, legitimate mental illness or mental health conditions. Is that right? That this also became yeah. a champion? Uh, uh, absolutely. I mean, Elizabeth Packard was the kind of person that if she saw there was a problem, she would speak up about it and she would speak out. And she was horrified when she was sent to the hospital, not only because she found herself surrounded by other same women, but because as she was punished in her time there for speaking up for people, she was moved to other wards where there were legitimate, you know, legitimate cases of mental illness. And she was horrified that there wasn't care, there wasn't respect, there was degradation, there was horror, there was, you know, violence, people weren't protected, people were abused mentally, physically. And, you know, she was she was like, oh, I'm not going to take this line down, I'm going to make a difference. And she did that 
from the moment she found herself on those wards, you know, initially, you know, caring for these patients herself, you know, washing them because they were covered in filth, showing them kindness, um, caring for them, a human touch, you know, a, a hand, singing to them, speaking to them. And everything she did, you know, she would, she would always live the example that she thought she'd follow. And having seen these, you know, people afflicted with their mental illness, having seen how strong they had to be to get through each day, she determined, as she herself put it, she said, I plead for those who have no one to plead for them. And she became that advocate, both inside the asylum and then later when she got out. You know, she fought for them to, as I say, have inspectors so that abuse would be uncovered. Um, she herself suffered a lot of censorship. You know, people's, you know, they literally would confiscate letters if um, they arrived for the patients. Patients weren't able to get messages out of the hospital. She fought to um, overturn those laws so that people could have communication with the outside world. I mean, you can imagine if you're depressed and you're sent to an asylum and suddenly your family's not writing to you, but actually they are. It's just that the doctors are keeping it from you you know how lonely that is how much that will exacerbate your illness so yeah Elizabeth fought for those who needed help and she fought for those who didn't have a voice using her own voice to speak for them. Turning a little bit to Mr McFarlane one thing that struck me today in the press conference and in researching the story was to learn that even giving him the benefit of the doubt that we have learned an awful lot about the best treatment and care of people with mental health disorders today, that yeah. even through that lens, that he was doing things at the time that were not um, considered appropriate, that were labeled mistreatment by the Illinois legislature. There was a commission. They uh, cited in her favor and, and basically said the superintendent should be replaced and that he had mistreated uh patients there. And yet still a hundred years later, that same, you know, the Illinois legislature, new set of people, I understand, but named the facility for him, uh, not for her and not for someone else for this gentleman. So were you struck in your research to learn that uh, this, you know, that there had been a honoring of him uh, with the mental health center? I, I wasn't shocked because I think that often happens in history. You know, history is written by the victors and the victors in you know, the late 19th century were the white patriarchy. And, you know, despite Elizabeth winning those victories, despite the legislature recommending McFarlane's dismissal, um, he sort of, he was very buffy about it. You know, his, his friends gathered round to protect him. Um, even a couple of years after, you know, that huge inquiry that had coverage, you know, literally international coverage, um, even after that, a few years later, the local papers were saying, oh, you know, McFarlane's reputation is untarnished. You know, his allies said that it was biased, that uh, it was grandmother Packard's, um, you know, allegation solely that had got him locked up or not locked up. Sorry, but um, it was grandmother Packard's allegations that had solely got his dismissal recommended. Actually, there were 800 pages of evidence from, you know, about 30 witnesses um so it wasn't just elizabeth although she helped spearhead the campaign but i think what happens is you know history forgets it's written by the victors and over time even though elizabeth was successful in her own lifetime at being an advocate her campaigns were forgotten she was remembered only as this mad woman who tried to ruin mcfarlane's career and mcfarlane meanwhile went private uh, opened his own asylum you know, and and his reputation grew and grew 
until, as we see, you know, in the in the mid 20th century, he's having a building named after him and everything that Elizabeth raised about him and everything Elizabeth suffered at his hands was completely forgotten, even though it was well documented at the time. And I was able, you know, writing my book um, in the 21st century to find that damning evidence against him and to read from Elizabeth herself what it was truly like to be under his so-called care. Seeing this announcement today, I know you couldn't be there in person, but the governor did acknowledge you, rightfully so, for bringing her story into fresh light. Um, It's, you know, there was some historical accounts here, like you said, if anybody had bothered to look, but you really... Uh, wrote a beautiful story about her and I think okay. uh, you know made it accessible to people who otherwise probably just drive by this building like I do and think oh you don't even think about it after time right you don't even think about yes. being associated with a person so I know you've obviously never met Elizabeth of course but you researched so much about her do you have any sense of whether she would be honored you know by this naming uh today I, I think she would be delighted that McFarlane's name has been removed because she always thought it was outrageous that, you know, nothing stuck. You know, we, we all know figures <laughs> where things don't stick. And she just thought it was outrageous that he was able to get to get away with it. Um, so I think she would be delighted um, that she would put it, you know, the truth is, is finally coming out. She, you know, she she wrote things like that in her, in her diaries. You know, truth may for a time be crushed to the earth, but it will rise again with renovated strength. And we see that today. The truth is out. I think she would be personally honoured that she's been named, but she was also an incredibly modest person. So I think she would, you know, she wouldn't sort of claim it and it, it, in a sort of all-empowering all, all way. I think she would be modest about it. And I also think, because this was very much her, you know, the work is not finished. It's not just about having Elizabeth Packard's name on a building. It's about ensuring, you know, as people involved, um, you know, in the announcement today made the point, it's about learning from the lived experiences of those who are institutionalised there. It's about respecting their voices and respecting them. It's about trying to care and to help. So I think Elizabeth would feel that truth and justice have been done in McFarlane's name being removed. I think she would be personally grateful that she and her work have been recognised when so much of her life she was denigrated and done down. I think, you know, you would have to take pleasure in that feeling of, of, of respect being shown to what you've dedicated your life to. But I also think she would say the work is not done. Let's roll up our sleeves and keep going. Lastly here, turning the lens on you a little bit. How did you feel knowing that, you know, elevating her story <laughs> in such a, uh, you know, and making her such a living person today, we were, we were able to meet her through your book, I think is what, you know, opens the door for these things to happen. You know, how did you feel uh hearing about the announcement change the name change I, I mean I, I can't believe it I just I I'm yeah absolutely delighted and moved and and thrilled you know when I was writing Elizabeth's story you know my postscript had to end with there is no building honoring Elizabeth you know there is one for McFarland but there's nothing for Elizabeth despite everything that she went through and everything she achieved so I feel genuinely emotional and genuinely thrilled and touched and grateful 
that she has been recognized because she is amazing and I hope that you know seeing the name on the building reading about the news today people will be encouraged to find out more about this inspirational woman because she has a lot to teach all of us even today. That's Capital News Illinois reporter Molly Parker speaking with author Kate Moore. You can find her books at kate-moore.com and more of our reporting at capitalnewsillinois.com. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation. Music